What's up, Kentucky hikers? It's 1800's Mike here with your Kentucky Hiker Project podcast for Thursday, October 13th, 2022. Am I living in the 1800s? It kind of seems like it around here. Microwave, dead. Hot water heater, dead. Washing machine, revived. Toilet, not great, but functional. And we have a printer that needs replacing as well. So while it seems like the 1800s around here, I've embraced this as training for when we start building our country cabin. It's also been instructive in sustainability and redefining the needs that we have in the 21st century. It's actually been kind of neat uh, going through this experience and it's something I'll probably discuss in a future episode on the podcast. Anyway, this podcast is sponsored, as in actually monetarily sponsored, by Catherine Stone, PhD. Dr. Stone is a licensed psychologist in Lexington, Kentucky, and treats preschool-age children through young adults. She writes, there is a wealth of literature supporting the connection between time and nature and one's mental health. Catherine says hiking is her favorite way to recharge after a long week as a practicing psychologist. I think she knows some things, a lot of things, a lot of very important things. So who doesn't love getting out in nature, feeling the sun on your face, the ground beneath your feet, and taking in all the beautiful scenes out there? Learn more about Catherine Stone on her website, catherinestonephd.com. That's Catherine with a K, stonephd.com. Search it up or check out the link on the podcast page. And of course, this episode is benefiting Kentucky Natural Lands Trust, a nonprofit organization whose mission it is to expand our public lands. And we're going to help them out with a thousand bucks so that they can add another acre for the good guys. That's us. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about Red River Gorge, which is a short one-hour drive from Dr. Stone's headquarters in Lexington, sometimes referred to as Lex Vegas. More specifically, I'll give you some quick highlight uh, hikes that are ideal to take advantage of the fall colors because this time of year, I like to do a lot of uh, short hikes compared to just a single long hike, mainly because you get to see a lot more scenes um, and a lot more views this way. And we'll talk about the transition from campfire to wildfire and why I fully support a fire ban in the red. And to round things out, I'll relay a story from a dear friend that can be filed under the Captain Obvious folder in the Leave No Trace file cabinet. That one's a pretty funny one. Anyway, so today's feature hikes, um, just a quick tour of the gorge. And so this is a great um, driving tour. Most of these, almost all of these hikes are less than a mile. Um, these are just short hikes, quick, easy. And so I like to start going uh, clockwise. So you just drive in through Not a Tunnel um, on Kentucky 77, continue following that around to Skybridge Road, which is set Kentucky 715. And so you get to go through the tunnel, drive around the gorge for a little bit. And then eventually I like to start my day <clears throat> at Skybridge. And so Skybridge is a double arch um, situated kind of on the northeast corner of, uh, of the Red River Gorge geological area, so to speak. And, uh, and this is just, it's a beautiful spot. I love being here in the mornings. Um, sometimes if the fog is really heavy, you'll have to move a little bit further down the road uh, to Swift Camp Creek overlooks and that kind of stuff because it's a little bit higher elevation. But Skybridge is just a fantastic little hike. Um, there are some steps on it and that kind of thing. So it's easier to hike this um, going counterclockwise, but I usually do it the other way, which is clockwise because you get to walk out on top of the arch first and then you descend down and then you can see the two um, you know, the two arches there at the bottom. So uh, that is where I would start the day. And then just down the road on that same little paved, uh, you know, day use area is are the Swift Camp Creek overlooks. And so one of these overlooks is, uh, is marked. It's actually developed. You can just pull up. It's right along the road. Uh, if you drop down uh, to the little trail that's right beside it, there's also a really nice view that looks over to Castle Arch. 
A little bit further down the road, uh, there's Devil's Canyon, which is another one of these roadside overlooks. And so this one has a little fence. If you go around the fence um, as you approach on the left-hand side, some great views there. And so um, this is a really nice view, especially in the mornings. I like to see the sun light up the, um, the sandstone cliffs on the other side of this. Really pretty scene. It's also a nice place to catch a quick sunset. And so you can either start your day, finish your day, <clears throat> either way. Um, at this location. So if you drive a little bit further down Kentucky 715, the next stop is Whistling Arch. And so Whistling Arch comes with not only the arch, but it also has a really nice view um, off of the backside of the arch. And so that one is really nice. I, uh, it's actually probably the best overlook in the winter time because the sun kind of cradles uh, between the ridges there. And so it looks really pretty. But Whistling Arch is a nice one. It's a very playful little arch. And so the kids definitely love it. That's a short hike. It also has a really neat tree that has um, the roots exposed. And so it's a nice little photo op there as well. But um, so continuing on, you go down to Chimney Top Rock Road. And so that's kind of the next road as you're going down uh, 715 there. And so you just follow that gravel road out. And all the way at the end of that road is Chimney Top Rock and Princess Arch. And so those are two short hikes. Um, Chimney Top Rock, one of the most epic views in all of Kentucky. Uh, you look over Red River and um, you can see the entire gorge there, which is really nice. Um, you go across and you can see, um, you know, across the way uh, is Hanson's Point. And then the, the two uh, rock uprisings there are really pretty in the, in the mornings. And then sunset as well there is just phenomenal. Um, Princess Arch on the other side of the parking lot. Uh, Princess Arch is a really fun arch. There's actually two arches there. So there's Princess Arch, which is the main one. Uh, as you come, come around, if you're hiking it clockwise, uh, you can look to the left and there's actually a very thin arch, which is uh, Little Princess Arch. As you circle around that loop, um, there is a nice overlook that faces kind of east-northeast. And so that's a really pretty view uh, in the mornings as well uh, with the fog layer down below on the, ri uh, on the river. And so that's a nice spot. And then just off of there, if you're an adventurous sort that likes to do a little scrambling, um, there is a really uh, just A-plus overlook there um, that's just off of the far end of the loop. And so you'll see it when you go down there. Um, nice little spot. And I believe that Tread the Red uh, did a nice little thing on, uh, on how to get up to that. And so you can search through uh, her Instagram page as well. So from there, uh, I like to stop at Creation Falls and Rockbridge because it's always nice to add a water element to the day. And so Creation Falls is a pretty dependable waterfall. It's very playful, probably the most visited uh, waterfall in Daniel Boone National Forest and possibly the most visited uh, waterfall outside of Cumberland Falls, uh, a little bit further south in Kentucky. So this little loop, it's a mile and 1.4 miles on the loop. Uh, you get to see the waterfall and then also Rockbridge, which is the only water-formed arch uh, on official trails in Red River Gorge. And so that one's pretty nice. And you can also climb to the top of that and get some pictures there. It's a, it's a nice spot. So continuing kind of the loop around Red River Gorge, uh, you can drive out to Tunnel Ridge Road. And one thing like this time of year that I think is a, is a must visit uh, is Oxier Ridge. And so Oxier Ridge is just a fantastic hike. You can hike it uh, just the ridge itself out and back to Courthouse Rock. I think that clocks in at uh, three or four miles. Um, or you can add in and make it a loop to Double Arch to make it a nice uh, half day hike. Uh, Double Arch also has fantastic views. And of course the arch is awesome. Um, but up above the arch is what's known as the observatory. 
and so the observatory has a nice 360 degree view of um, of the gorge so you can hike double arch by itself i think that comes in around four and a half miles you can do the loop which is around eight miles or you can just do oxier ridge at three miles and so that's a nice uh, nice way to fill up your day and then to kind of round things out if you're driving around and just checking out the leaves uh, natural bridge is a uh, great spot to kind of finish the day and specifically, if you, uh, if you take original trail up to Natural Bridge, feel free to take as many breaks as you need. It's pretty steep. <clears throat> but um, once you get up to the top, you can take uh, the trail there out to Lover's Leap, which is all the way out at the end. And that has a fantastic sunset view. And so um, if you plan to do this for sunset, just make sure you bring some headlamps with you. Um, it's a great way to fit, spend an entire day at Red River Gorge. If you start early, you can probably knock out all of these uh, items uh in a full day out there in the gorge and so that's kind of a driving tour which i think is ideal this time of year uh, because you get to see all sorts of different overlooks there's a bunch of arches included and then of course you add in the waterfall and that to me is a very complete day uh, in red river gorge so on today's uh, skills segment we're going to talk a little bit more about campfires and forest fires and so kevin james a descendant of the famed pioneer simon kenton and all-around forest junkie was out for a short hike on Tar Ridge and came across the beginning stages of a forest fire. Uh, the video of he posted a video of him knocking back some of the flames and working to put the fire out, and it just kind of shows how a campfire can turn into a forest fire, especially with the dry conditions we've experienced over the last several weeks. Tar Ridge, if you're not familiar, is on the north rim of Red River Gorge, just off Kentucky 77. Um, that section of ridge has four distinct overlooks with each providing you know, just spectacular views of the gorge below. And while it's a magnificent place to hike and camp, it's a terrible place for a campfire. Um, I've consistently kind of advised against campfires on exposed ridges like this one on Tar Ridge for two reasons. Um, first, there is no water source <clears throat> anywhere near uh, a potential campsite. And then second, uh, these spots have greater wind exposure, making it easier for camp for campfires to turn into forest fires. So as evidenced by the video from Kevin that I'll link to in the podcast uh, show notes, uh, it doesn't take much for an abandoned campfire to spark a forest fire. Um, add that some high winds were coming in later in the day, and it's a very good thing that Kevin called in help uh, to put the fire out before it turned into something much worse. Um, so I'll link to Kevin's uh, Instagram. I believe it's uh, Kentucky underscore Explorer. So it's KY underscore Explorer on Instagram. And so he's got, um, he's someone who actually I reach out to from time to time if I need some instructions to get to some places, especially in Menifee County. Um, <clears throat> and while we're talking about campfires, the official rules uh, for Daniel Boone National Forest require a few things uh, to have a campfire. So first, the fire needs to be at least 100 feet from rock shelters and cliffs. Second, uh, your camp needs to be at least 300 feet from trails and roads. And third, you must clear out any flammables from around the area immediately uh, next to the fire. As it turns out, many forest fires start from embers blowing into, onto flammables. Um, this then begins smoldering and the fuel isn't always what you think. Um, there is actually a thin layer of dry, dead fuel on the forest floor. It's comprised of leaves and twigs that have just been kind of smashed down. Um, over time and as that layer dries out it becomes a really nice fuel source um, and so it's not the kind of fuel source that's going to create just a big massive flame right away 
Uh, it's this type of layer that smolders, it spreads across the ground until it finds a little bit more fuel, and then it turns into full-on flames lighting up the forest in kind of the worst ways. So, <clears throat> you know, so when you take a look at forest fires, it's not always, uh, you know, just a fire sparks, uh, the embers escape, that kind of thing, um, and, you know, immediately you have these flames. It takes, a, it, it can take many, many hours for the smoldering to take place. Um, it can even take a couple of days before it finally reaches to the point uh, where it has enough fuel and oxygen to turn into a forest fire. So here are some tips for your campfire when you're doing dispersed camping. So dispersed camping, all that means is that you are not on an official monitored um, you know, campground that has fire rings and bathrooms and all that other stuff. Dispersed camping is a big thing in Red River Gorge. I believe that uh, Forest Service, when they were doing their uh, forest management plan revision identified uh, over a thousand uh, you know of these dispersed campsites across Red River Gorge and in the 30 some odd thousand acres there and so uh, so as far as dispersed camping it is a big deal a lot of people do fires in weird places um, typically traditionally uh, when you build a campfire you're gonna look for some place to set up camp that's near a water source so you can filter water you know and then also have plenty of water to put out your fire in Red River Gorge, most people camp up a little bit higher where there is no water. And so the first uh, thing when it comes to dispersed camping, especially in Red River Gorge, is to bring at least a gallon of water for each campfire you plan to light, ideally two gallons um, to put out a decent sized fire. Uh, the second thing is to use established fire rings. And so when I say fire rings, I'm not talking about the metal rings, but a lot of these dispersed campsites throughout the gorge already have uh, rocks that are formed into a ring. And so just use the ones that are already there. Do not create any new ones. There are literally over a thousand at this point anyway. And so there's no need to create an extra one. Just you know, use what's there. And uh, this also ensures that uh, the ground underneath that is not going to uh, begin spreading, you know, fire and that kind of stuff as well. Uh, if it's breezy, you know, make sure you build a windbreak, especially if you're camping up on the ridges. Uh, if it's full on windy, I would just skip the fire altogether. If it's really windy, uh, let's just face it, you're gonna have uh, a lot of those embers just kind of blow in the breeze and, uh, and then you have a higher risk of starting a forest fire. The other thing is just build a reasonably sized fire. And so I know that a lot of people like to get out and, you know, clearly, um, you know, this falls under the heading of, man, you don't get out much, do you? Um, but, you know, the reality is <clears throat> you don't need a huge fire, um, you know, especially uh, when you're out there camping at these dispersed, <clears throat> these dispersed campsites, because the dispersed campsites are really small, right? There are no huge, uh, you know, dispersed campsites outside of maybe a couple of them off of Hanson's Point uh, and a few other places around the gorge. But for the most part, these are small, uh, small spots, you know, good enough for maybe anywhere from one to up to maybe three, possibly four tents. And so you don't need to have a gigantic fire. Just be reasonable about the size of the fire that you build. Um, and then when you're ready for bed, um, this is kind of the, the best practice that I would tell you <clears throat> when it comes to putting out a fire, a campfire. So just spread out the coals um, first and then flip any remaining logs to expose kind of the, the hot underbelly of each one. And so you douse that with water and you stir it around until it turns into a slurry. And so um, once you have it where it looks visually like you've got most of it out, scan the fire with your hand. So just kind of put your hand just above the fire bed and then identify any hot spots and then add water in those spots. The fire is dead out when you can stick your hand in there without feeling any heat. And so most people, let's be honest, 
when they go out there, they're going to just let the fire burn. There is this old, you know, uh, idea that it, you should just kind of put everything together in the middle um, and just let it burn itself out. And then in the morning, you'll still have some hot coals and that kind of stuff. And so that practice is wholly uh, moronic. And it's mainly because basically you're just going to leave a fire unattended while uh, consolidating the fuel for that fire. And so it's really just not a not a really smart way to go. And so when you're out there and you're dispersed camping anywhere in Daniel Boone National Forest, especially in Red River Gorge, just be extra aware that forest fires have happened there. Um, it's only 30,000 acres, which in terms of uh, an actual forest fire is a small amount of acreage and can burn up pretty quickly with the right conditions. Uh, the fires down in Gatlinburg, you know, a number of years ago, and then plenty of forest fires out west. We have seen enough dry weather at this point to where um, I probably would not do a fire out there um, at this point. So anyway, but that's it on uh, campfires. Just make sure that you're being a little bit smarter about what you're doing out there. Bring plenty of water, um, especially if you're not camping anywhere near a water source. If you are camped down low uh, by a water source, then hey, you know, rock it out, right? Okay, so our Leave No Trace segment, this one is a an interesting one. I've seen a lot of things on the trail over the years, right? So uh, one time I was hiking uh, Sheltoe Trace, just doing a, a short little section, also in Red River Gorge, and heard some banjo music. Uh, and so typically the rule of thumb is when you hear banjo music, you should go the other direction. Um, I just kind of walked towards it because that was the hiking plan for the day. And uh, as it turns out, it was just an old uh, gentleman. He was just sitting on a stump and uh, playing a banjo with his wife sitting next to him and uh, just having a nice day out in the middle of the woods. And so that was all right. Uh, I've also come across a choir uh, that was out singing underneath uh, Gray's Arch doing some old, uh, some old hymns, which was kind of nice. And so I thought that was neat. Uh, and so that was uh, a kind of uh, a heavenly experience, I guess. And so, uh, but this one, this most recent one that, uh, that was shared with me is just weird. Um, so I hike a lot with some, a couple of friends. And so it's the Lord. Well, at least one person refers to him and knows him as the Lord. I believe that person also may have been on a lot of drugs, uh, somewhere along the Sheltoe Trace. But anyway, uh, Lord Colonel Bork was out there over the course of the weekend with his wife, red belly and they spent the weekend in the red everything was great uh fall colors were starting up they hiked indian staircase and cloud splitter uh, they enjoyed some burgers at skybridge station and plenty of hydration around the campfire around midnight it was bedtime and so as they were winding down there was another group that was winding up in a big way so we're talking electric guitars amps soundboard gas generator, like the whole setup for a concert. And so a concert at the Gorge, you might be asking yourself, you know, sounds sounds neat, right? Well, it was an all-night concert, and it was an all-night concert in a dispersed camping area where there's a lot of other campers. And so maybe not as nearby as, say, a state park campground or even a federal campground, um, but along Tunnel Ridge Road, these folks were uh, firing it up at Pioneer. And so Pioneer is the last uh, parking lot on your way out to Oxier Ridge. And, um, and so as the crow flies, uh, Red Belly and Bork were about a mile away. And this group was having a, you know, they had their concert go all the way until the wee hours of the next morning and then into 
the next morning. And so, of course, uh, the Lord Colonel was displeased with this. And uh, the next morning, uh, walked over and, you know, just basically surveyed the area. There were gas cans laying around next to the fire. Um, they had, you know, a bunch of equipment was still sitting out. They had their generator out there. And there was just one person just kind of sitting there like, you know, whatever. Um, so, you know, so something like this, when you can hear a full-on rock concert with, you know, speakers and the whole setup, I mean, if you're bringing a soundboard, right, um, you know, that's some, <laughs> you're really cranking it up. And so this is just such an obvious uh, violation of just basic common courtesy and decency, but under the leave no trace uh, principles, the be considerate of others certainly was not on uh, this group's mind. And so... As it turns out, this is this breaks all kinds of forest uh, rules. You know, number one, you, you can't bring a gas generator into the forest to a dispersed campsite. You can't have gas cans sitting around a fire. We just covered that, you know, a few minutes ago. And on top of that, you can't be uh, you, you can't be that noisy uh, all night, especially until you know 8:30 in the morning, right? And I'm sure that there were, and then of course there were, you know, plenty of beer cans and everything else. And basically, this, uh, from what, uh, from what the colonel told me, there, it was just a mess, just an absolute abysmal mess. And so the odds of that group cleaning all of that up, I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna go out on a really, really sturdy limb here and just say, I'm guessing they left a mess, like a big one. And so, you know, when this comes up, you know, we, you know, I talked to uh, the colonel about, you know, hey, what do you do in that situation? And it's like, well, you know, if you have someone that's being that disruptive where you are staying almost a mile away and you can still hear them, you know, clearly blasting at a volume that is way too loud, uh, the easiest thing, the simplest thing, the right thing, probably the best thing is just to call the police. And so, you know, you're not gonna reach anybody at the Forest Service office because number one, there's nobody there at that hour. And number two, the odds of someone picking up the phone and, you know, doing something about it, probably not great anyway, uh, just because there's they're understaffed. And so um, the best thing to do is just call 911. You can call it in as a noise complaint. Um, you can have them come out. And then at that point, you know, um, it's just in law enforcement's hands. And so the, the fact is that, you know, going out and confronting them, that's a risky kind of thing. Um, but I would actually say that it was much riskier for this group because, uh, you know, I've had plenty of uh, instances where I've come across folks that would not take kindly to that kind of disruption uh, for their camping weekend and may show up with a shotgun in somebody's face. And so the fact is that if you're out there and you're being a nuisance, you know, then it's, uh, it's a little bit surprising nothing bad happen to this group. Um, but at the same time, it's like you just have to be a little bit aware. And so I would assume that this group just thought that they were out in the woods um, and that nobody was around, even though there are campsites right across the street uh, from where they were set up and, you know, just weren't aware. And so, you know, sometimes you get out in the woods, you really feel like you're out there in the middle of nowhere and nobody's around. The fact is that if you're in Red River Gorge, you are really never far from another human being, especially on weekends, especially on Rocktoberfest weekend, right? So, you know, so this group, just, just nonsense, right? Um, but at the same time, it's just, you know, what do you do in that situation? Well, it's just better to leave it up to law enforcement. And if it happens that they, you know, wind up going over there, having them break everything down, maybe they're hammered, uh, maybe they're on drugs, who knows? 
Um, but at that point, it's like if you're being that big of a nuisance, then you should expect to have somebody, you know, come a knocking. So anyway, uh, that was kind of an interesting one. So I've seen, I've heard banjos and I've heard choir, and now the Lord Colonel has uh, heard an entire rock concert that went, I guess, about eight to ten hours. And so that's a long one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so so that's it for the podcast this week. Uh, the fu- as far as fundraising, the total donated to Kentucky Natural Lands Trust now stands at three hundred bucks or thirty percent to goal. Um, this has been the Kentucky Hiker Project podcast. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, submit an ad, or give a shout out to one of your fellow hikers, go to the podcast page at kentuckyhiker.org/podcast and hit the sponsor an episode link. I can write the ad copy, or you can do it yourself. Also, you'll uh, check out the uh, episode notes because I'll put links to each of those different hikes that I talked about. And then also be sure to check out uh, Dr. Catherine Stone's website and book an appointment with her. She specializes in children and young adults. And so ADHD, uh, anxiety, depression, all the common uh, ailments that we have with our young people today, um, that is what she specializes in. And I also love the fact that she Uh, is a hiker and really enjoys getting outside. And so let's face it, if you are outside a little bit more and inside a little bit less, good things tend to happen. Anyway, thanks so much for listening and have yourself a great weekend.